This segment is brought to you by Matt Bates for Movement Mortgage, NMLS number 844154. Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You're locked into the Despirito Team Real Estate Show with host and top realtor Emilio Despirito on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. We're talking with industry leaders about real estate trends, money making tips, and advice on buying and selling the American dream. Now, here's Emilio Despirito. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this is your show all about real estate. So for the next hour, we are going to be going over a lot of great information in regards to where interest rates are, where we anticipate them going. We've got a, a, a wonderful attorney on the show. We've got our best friend, Matt Bates, with Movement Mortgage here. He's fantastic. Um, our co-host, Matt Bates. We also have Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com coming on with our top five events in Rhode Island. So Pack Show and Mike Auger, he's a home inspector with a ton of experience. He's going to share some great information with us too. Um, but we're going to jump right into it. Welcome to the show, Matt Bates. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Hope everybody's doing uh, well and uh, enjoying the fall weather here. And, yeah, man. Uh, looking forward to today's show. Yeah, me too, Matt. And you know, if, if this is your first time tuning in, Matt is a loan officer with Movement Mortgage. You can reach out to him at rimortgageguy.com. As several of our listeners have done in the past, you can get refinanced with him or mortgage pre-approval. I like Matt because he knows what he's doing, does this seven days a week, nonstop. He's a licensed loan originator, one of the top in the Northeast, and uh, really proud to have him here with us. So Matt, interest rates, when does that interest rate matter in this market? Yeah, so uh, oftentimes when I uh, when I think about what we're going to talk about week in and week out or some real, I reflect back on the week and, uh, and see what scenarios come up, uh, with different customers that I work with and how it might, uh, be also interesting with somebody that's out there listening who might be in the same position. And, uh, yesterday, uh, I got a call from a, from a lovely buyer, first time home buyer. She's, uh, doing all her homework and she's just, uh, inquiring, asking her as many questions as she can, trying to get as prepared as she can. So it's really great. Uh, but her first question was, what's my interest rate? Uh, what's your, what, what's your interest rate? And, uh, for all those out there listening, that's a, uh, it's an important question. I don't want to take away from the importance of what an interest rate is. But mm -hmm. it's the wrong question to ask, in my opinion, to start out with. Um, there's a lot of different ingredients that go into interest rates. Um, and to pick a lender solely based off of interest rates, you're leaving yourself very vulnerable to other things that uh, might be, you know, it might be the lowest rate, but are they the highest closing costs? Um, you know, is, is that, that's it. And, and closing costs, interest rates, loan product, credit score, down payment amount, um, type of house that you're buying, owner occupancy versus investment property, multifamily versus condos, that all of the things that I just mentioned have a play in what your interest rate is going to be. Um, and so there's a lot of other information out there that you need to figure out first before you can ask my question, what's my interest rate going to be? Um, and, uh, when you're, when you're determining who you're going to move forward with as a lender, with a lender, it's really important to not lose sight of all the other attributes that are important, like customer service, 
uh, availability, turnaround times, product uh, variety of pro loan products, um, uh, locality and uh, experience in the local market, uh, communication, teamwork with the real estate agent. Um, there's a, a, a full full board of other very important things that I would say are just as important as the interest rate. And um, you need to consider those as well, just like you're considering the interest rate. And that's not to say go get the highest interest rate or just deal with the highest interest rate because you shouldn't. You know, that's not smart um, buying to begin with. But it's also important to figure out these other questions, the answers to these other questions before you can just dive into an interest rate. Um, another important important point is that you can't lock in an interest rate until you find a house if you're buying a house. Um, it's much easier to talk about it when you're refinancing because you already own the house and you know where you stand currently and um, you know what available rates are there so that way I can benefit my situation. So refinances are a little bit easier of a conversation when it comes to interest rate and getting the immediate rate. But when it comes to purchases, you have to shop and you have to spend some time in the marketplace and checking out other houses. And, and you know, some people take a couple months to buy a house, years even, you know, um, and interest rates change every day. They can go up, they can go down. Um, and if you ask a lender right off the rip what their interest rate is, and they give you a really attractive interest rate quote right off the top, that loan officer knows that that rate is bogus because there's no way that that person's going to make a phone call ask what the rate is, find a house, get an offer accepted all within the same day. There's just way too much to do there. So you need to get prepared with the pre-approval letter and you need to figure out what your budget is and you need to figure out how to make your application as strong as possible with the time that's allowed before you buy a house. So that way, when you do ask, what, when, it, when it is the appropriate time to ask what the interest rate, you have the best shot at getting the best deal of what you're looking for. Um, and uh, my, me and my team and I, we, we take a lot of pride in education, um, teaching people, uh, you know, about mortgage financing and preparing people so that way they do have access to the best rates um, when when they go through the pre-approval process. So it's a very, very it's a very quick question to ask. And it's a very long answer there. So be my uh, my goal here is just to everybody that's listening is make sure you know when the right time to ask what the interest rate is. So that way uh, you're not, uh, you know, misled, uh, get a false rate, a fake rate. Uh, you know, that happens very often. That's so interesting, Matt. And I never looked at it from that perspective. So I can imagine maybe our listeners have not either where, you know, the day where you get your pre-approval is not going to be the rate necessarily that you're paying once you lock in on a mortgage. Um, and you only lock that number in when you put a purchase and sales agreement together, which in most cases is two weeks, three weeks, a month down the road. That's right. That's some valuable information. Yeah. And when we lock an interest rate in, we have to lock it appropriately. So that way, the, the lock period, we close within the, 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 the expiration date of how long your rate is. So let's say you, you, know, you sign a purchase and sales agreement, you're closing in 45 days. It doesn't make sense to lock for a 30-day uh, rate lock period because you're going to have 15 days of extra exp um extension fees on the back end of the thing uh, yeah. of, of the mortgage, which can get very expensive depending on how much you're actually looking to borrow. And, you know, 
a 30 day or interest rate with a 30 day rate lock would be would look better than a, an interest rate with a 60 day rate lock. So the longer you lock it, that the the worse the pricing gets for the interest rate. So if a loan officer wants to get your business and they lock you in on a 30 day rate lock because it, it looks the best up front, did they actually do you any justice if they didn't lock it appropriate and now you're forced to have extension fees in the back end? So it's a big it's a bigger conversation and that's part of the learning and the educational part that I try to uh, uh, rub off on, you know, people and share, you know, this information with everybody that's looking to purchase and refi and all that. Also, some people build new houses. So, you know, we do a lot of new construction um, uh, properties. I don't have new construction loans, but I help people purchase new construction with uh, a standard mortgages, FHA, conventional VA and whatnot. And um, that, you can't lock in a rate, you know, you might sign a contract, you might give a big deposit, you might put the foundation in the ground and have the framework done, but you have so much more work to do there where it could be like four months, six months, eight months, depending on the, what, what you got going on in your situation. So it yeah. doesn't make sense to lock a rate right then and there when you sign the contract because you have eight months to go. There's also delays and things like that. So when you lock the interest rate, the appropriate time to do that is pretty much when the paint's drying on a new construction house, because you'll know that you'll be set to close in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, the today, you know, for everybody that's listening is, is know when to ask the, what's your interest rate. So that way you get the best of what you, what you have available. And, um, you know, and don't ask it too early because you might, you might get a fake answer and that, that's not good. I, I think I think one of the biggest takeaways that I get whenever I talk with you, Matt, is that <clears throat> consumers are bombarded with information all over the place, right? But it's it's nice to actually have somebody explain what the reality is, right? So there's there's Google, right? And who knows how reliable the information is or how timely it is. And then there's, you know, some loan officers that, that, you know, do their nine to five, then they check out, they're done at like the big banks or whatever. And then there's someone like yourself, who's there seven days a week, who is more or less like a concierge, like a white glove type of service for their clients, but where you take the time to explain everything. So, it's a seamless process whenever any professional does that. I got to tell you, when I was recently hiring contractors, there's one contractor that really stood out to me. Um, there's two different guys. One of them, his name is Tom with Lopco Contracting. Tom, not the cheapest guy out there, okay, at all, but he clearly stated what everything was. Walked around a building with, with my partner and I looked at everything, Matt, educated us in the process. We are like, we need two coats of paint on this. He said, no, you should have one coat because this, this, this over here, you do two coats. This is a long story short. I'm saying that because I think our, our listeners can totally appreciate the fact when some professional in any given field has mentored them, who has taken them under their wing to explain why something happens the way it does. And I always get glowing recommendations for you from our clients for that specific reason. So thanks for yeah, the contribution. Absolutely. You know, I'm a big believer of cost. Uh, price only matters when there's an absence of value. And uh, I think, uh, I think, everybody can agree that you also get what you pay for. So, um, you know, in my opinion, what I share with people is that movement mortgage, the Matt Bates lending team, we're not the, 
cheapest cheapest bank on the on the on the street but we're not the most expensive and our goal is to deliver the most value so that way when you pay the price that it costs to buy a house you're walking away with more than just a house but you're walking away with a uh, a, a wealth of knowledge, um, a game plan, a goal for the, uh, the upcoming future because you just achieved your goal of buying a house. So you need a new yep. goal, which is how, you know how to make the the rate better. Uh, maybe refine a strategic refinance in the future. Um, there's a there's a much bigger conversation than just what's my interest rate. If that's what you lead with, you're not doing you're you're not doing yourself justice because there's a lot more other important questions out there that you should start out with. So that way, when you get to that question, you get the answer you're looking for. Matt with Movement Mortgage, rimortgageguy.com. Check them out, rimortgageguy.com. Go ahead and get your purchase loan through him for a home. Ask him any types of questions you have about buying a current home or refinancing or a new construction. First time, VA, USDA, conventional, all those programs, Matt does it very well. Stay tuned. We've got Ted Tapuzis with Tapuzis and Associates coming on the show. We'll be right back in two minutes. Matt, thank you. Now back to the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Desperado with the Desperado team at Engel and Volkers Real Estate. And uh, we're really happy to be here with you every single Sunday discussing our favorite topic, and that is real estate. So we've got an awesome, awesome guest coming on right now. Um, he's licensed in Florida, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island and Connecticut, all four He's uh, one of the best attorneys that I've ever met in the real estate space. Very knowledgeable guy, heavily connected in real estate, in the real estate space. And uh, the question that we want to talk about today, which constantly comes in from our listeners and from our clients, is the sale of a primary residence when the proceeds are tax exempt versus an investment property. This always comes in. There's like a gray area here. Awesome topic. Ted Tapuzis with Tapuzis and Associates. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Emilio. Thanks for the intro. I appreciate being on the show. Mm. Always, always. So tax exempt, right? Primary yep. residence. First off, what is a primary residence? What qualifies for it? Taxable yep. or not? Okay. All right. So I this, and like you just said, I, I it, this does come up a lot and I felt like this was uh, a good topic to discuss. I mean, of course, I'm not a real estate. I mean, I'm, I am a real estate attorney, but I'm not a CPA. So I, I, I uh, start and, you know, by saying that, that, uh, you know, the, the best tax advice comes from your CPA or your, from your accountant. But, um, you know, this kind of thing um, uh, is, happens very often where, where somebody sells a property and, and, the, and the difference between an investment property versus a primary residence is really just that. I mean, if you, if, um, if you live in this property as your, as, as your residence for two out of the, um, the, an aggregate of two out of the, uh, the last five years, then mm-hmm. you would qualify um, to get the exemption. And this is an IRS, you know, exemption from capital gains on the sale of your, your property. So each person, so if it's a, if it's an individual is $250,000, if it's a married couple, it's up to $500,000 of the gain on the property. Okay. So, um, the way it works is, uh, that, you know, if you, let's say I'm going to 
give a very simple um, example. If, if let's say they, uh, the property was purchased for $100,000 um, by a married couple and they're selling it for, for six fifty. dollars okay, um, similar to the market that we've got today, right? Emilio, um, but uh, so the the gain looks like it's five hundred and fifty thousand dollar gain, you know. So they'd be over by fifty thousand um, dollars in that in that math, but it's not really like that. It's uh, it's a lot more favorable to the uh, the, the customer to the seller, okay? Um, because the uh, the gain is really uh, derived from the uh, the net number, right? So it's and you and you look at few things when you evaluate this you don't look just at the gross numbers like i just described you look at um you know what the house is selling for then you subtract the closing costs from that closing transaction you know the commissions the uh um you, you subtract um what you're into this property for mm -hmm. you no you're taxes subtract you're not subtracting the transfer taxes you can't subtract that right right all right and you can't subtract property taxes you paid through the years obviously well i mean you can no 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 right exactly but you can you can subtract um, the uh, let's say the improvements that you've made to the property so let's say you've um, you've you've uh, you know, you've got twenty thirty thousand dollars of home improvements into the property that's part of your basis so you can subtract that you can also subtract the commissions out of that so um, so so after everything's said and done you know it's also the net number on your your um, statement that you look at um, and you don't look at the gross. Mm -hmm. And so when you do the math and you, you less out all these things, you less out the cost of your, your, your purchase of the property and the and capital improvements that you've made into the property, you realize that now you're less than that threshold. Um, and again, you have to, as a married couple, you have to come in at less than $500,000 or as a single person, less than two fifty. If you've lived in this home for two out of the last five years, you would be exempt. And so there's a form that's typically prepared at, at a closing um, that would um, be a checkmark filled form. You've probably seen this. You, you've seen this before. But oh, yeah. you're, the audience probably has seen it before um, where uh, they would, um, you know, just the attorney that they hire would typically check, you know, assist and check off the, uh, the right boxes. And then the, uh, um, you know, the, the proceeds would be exempt. Um, you still, just because they fill out this form at the closing doesn't, you know, make it a slam dunk for um, the, uh, the taxpayer because they've mm -hmm. got to file a tax return the next year um, with their accountant, with their CPA, um, you know, where, and, the, and that accountant slash CPA would, would know what is and what was, what was or what wasn't um, their primary residence because that's the residence that they use you know, for their tax returns, you know, so, so presumably, um, you know, you give them a copy of the closing statement, um, they're aware that this was a sale of a, of their primary residence, and the proceeds would be exempt. So it's, it's yeah. that it's, it's really that easy. Um, so it's an important thing to understand, because lots of times, people think it's off the gross, and it's not, it's off the net. Um, yeah. So that's, that's very, uh, um, very useful to understand. And of course, now there's the other thing that comes up um, in a closing is sometimes people are there for less than the two out of uh, the five years. You know, so maybe it's a short term thing. They they uh, um, they had to they purchased the property was the primary residence, but they because of um, you know change of employment, 
because of health um, circumstances, because maybe um, a death in the in the in the family, um, maybe uh, you know birth of um, you know uh, uh, kids that uh, that they didn't ex- anticipate, a couple extra kids. Oh, yeah. um, they now have to uh, they the, they have to upsize the home or downsize the home or who knows what the circumstances are. Um, the uh, the exemption can also be a factor of the time uh, that they've lived there. Okay, so so um, let's say they've lived there. Just, just I'm going to give an example. Okay, um, an unmarried taxpayer um, uh, is selling her home after 12 months of living there. Okay, so normally uh, that person would have, if they've lived there for at least two years, they'd get a $250,000 exemption off of their, the sale of their primary residence, net proceeds, right? So if they've only lived there for um, 12 months, a year, um, and let's say they've got a $100,000 uh, profit, um, now keep in mind, it would be completely exempt because they get in a two-year span $250,000. So half of that is one twenty-five. And they have, a, and if they uh, if they made a profit of a hundred, it would be exempt. So that's just a good example of like, hey, don't just treat the circumstance as being a taxable consequence. Um, yeah, it's 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 very important to can, like to look at that. And can I repeat the right that? Can, can I repeat? I, I want to. I'm so sorry to enter. I want to yeah. make sure I understand that because no, I. Sure. I Listen, Ted, I've been doing this for a long time and I've had a lot of CPAs tell me stuff and attorneys tell me stuff. No one has ever said that. Brought that up. I know I would have heard that. So let me just reiterate this. So if somebody has been living in a home for one year and they have a profit of 125,000 or less, that is tax exempt? That would be exempt if they've if this was their primary residence and it was wow. only one year that they lived there out of the two year period, which is the normal exemption. Yeah. Um, they would get half of that exemption, and that would be the one twenty five. Wow. So, so if they made a profit, let's say a hundred, they wouldn't have any, you know, hundred a uh, hundred and twenty five or less, like you said, no no consequence. Of course, again, don't rely on my advice for taxes. You know, go to your CPA for that advice, but. Um, just to give people peace of mind, um, that's that's how it uh, theoretically works. Um, now, there's a difference between um, selling a primary residence and selling um, an investor property, and that would be, you know, the the uh, and it's you know, the, so there there's going to be a capital gain. Um, that capital gain is is can can you know, it just depends on on how much money um, a person you know, makes in, in an income during the course of the year um, and, and what they're selling that that property for, um, but it can range between, it, and it's also also a time frame thing as well. Um, if they've owned it for a year or less, um, the, the tax is going to be greater than, you know, a year or more, you know, so uh, anywhere between zero and 20% um, of, a, of, a, of a taxable consequence on that capital gain. But again, you, you measure that capital gain, you know, from the net, you don't, you don't measure it off the gross, you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and also that it's all a factor of where you fall into that tax bracket too, you know, as to like what the percentage is that you're going to have to pay um, on the, uh, the sale of a, an investor property. But, you know, so that's just a little bit of a side-by-side comparison. Beautiful, beautiful. Primary residence versus investment property. 
Uh, that that was a fantastic segment. I appreciate that. If you're just tuning in, we're on the air with Ted Tapuzis with Tapuzis and Associates, and we're talking about the difference between a owner-occupied home when you sell it and how you get taxed or not taxed versus a, a um, uh, an investment property. So um, you know what we need to talk about another time, Ted, is the 1031 exchange because a lot of people get this part confused. And you know, for our listeners, 1031 exchange is basically where you kick the can down the road from property to property to property. So you pull the profit out of one property, put it into another like kinds property, pretty yep. much specifically rentals. And 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 then you know, one day when you cash out then you're taxed on that amount that you cash out. So you literally can defer your taxes, you know, as long as you are um, investing in like properties. That's a great topic to a lot of people. Get yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's a great, that is a great topic. And it does come up in, in closings regularly. Um, and it's, it's an important thing to discuss, um, I think, with your audience to, you know, let them understand like the difference between a sale of, uh, let's say, a primary residence like this Versus, um, you know, something could be taxed, but uh, a, a 1031 could, uh, you know, avoid that tax for that, you know, that transaction so long as they they uh, invest in, in a, like you said, a like kind property. We'll do that next time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. So um, good mm-hmm. stuff. Ted, I appreciate you being here with us. Uh, Thanks, very much So you're welcome. If you have any questions at all for Ted Tapuzas with Tapuzas and Associates, you can reach us on our offer number 401-217-2333. Again, 401-217-2333. Or you can simply uh, go ahead and Google Tapuzis and Associates. Good stuff, Ted. Awesome. Thanks for not the knowledge that you kicked today. I loved, I learned You're something welcome. from you today, from Matt Bates today. Hope our listeners did as well too. Love having you on here, man. I'll see you at the next closing very soon. And for our listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back in a few moments here on the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show powered by Tabuzis and Associates. Be right back. Now back to the Dispirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Emilio Dispirito, and this is your show all about real estate. You know, Part of the real estate process that is one of the most important parts is home inspections. And I can't tell you how many times I see people make the mistake of either waiving it or doing it for, say, informational purposes only and maybe waiving some rights or leaving themselves liable, purchasing a home that could be a lemon and so on. So we have on who I think is the best home inspector in Rhode Island. I've used them since day one when I started in real estate. And uh, I, I recommend that my clients use him for structural, mechanical, pest inspections, the whole nine. He's not only a veteran, he was a contractor before doing home inspections. And he knows the ins and outs of homes, whether they're condos, multifamilies, or single family homes. He knows real estate. And that's no other than Patriot Home Inspections, very own Mike Auger. Mike, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, for sure. Pleasure, pleasure. You're very welcome. So, Mike, what does for informational purposes only mean when people are putting this on purchase and sales agreements when they're buying a home in regards to well, home this, this is, 
Yeah, so I, I find this interesting. I've been hearing that a lot lately this year where I show up to a home inspection and perhaps the list agent maybe will pull me aside and say, hey, just so you know, Mike, this inspection is for informational purposes only. And it's always a little bit of a gray area. It's almost like they're, they're, there's maybe some unwritten or maybe written agreement where uh, the buyer's going to do an inspection. And the reason they're stating for informational purposes only is they're trying to pre-negotiate that the buyer's not going to ask for any concessions or repairs based on the inspection. And I just find that a weird thing. Um, all inspections, I guess, if you think about it, I've done literally thousands or maybe tens of thousands of home inspections over the years. Every single one is for information for the buyer. Every single one. They're all for informational purposes only. Now, what the buyer does with that information, that's a whole other thing. So there are times where, you know, the list agent may say something like, hey, this house is as is. Yeah, I understand that. Same thing. All of the houses that you buy are as is. Just like when you buy a used car, it's as is. That's fine. But if a surprise comes up on the inspection, you know, it's it's a it's a bad choice for the buyer to predetermine that they won't ask for anything. That's mm. you know, um, I, I just I don't like hearing buyers do that. And it may still be a case where a seller might go ahead and say, hey, we're still not going to fix anything because this market is crazy. And I know that my house has blemishes, but I also know that there's not a lot of houses out there. So we're not fixing nothing. I, you tell me whatever's wrong with this house you want. That's my number and that's it. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But if you're a buyer and you're buying a house and right now some of the prices are inflated a little bit, I'm sure that's no surprise to anybody listening to the show. You may have a buyer making a, an elevated offer over asking. It's happening all the time. If you get this buyer that buys a house and doesn't do an inspection or does an inspection and, and doesn't have any contingency to, to support them, and they buy a house that they can't afford to maintain, or there's something dangerous in the house that they don't know about, then they're buying a house that they know they're going to let get ruined because they don't have the money to fix stuff that kind of needs to be fixed. Mm. And that's a bad move. So to me, you know, obviously I do home inspections, so I do have a financial interest in everybody inspecting houses. But, at, you know, for a smart buyer, whether it's a, a multi uh you know, investment or just you're just buying a single family home, which is also a huge investment. I tell them you have to have to have to get your home inspection. If you waive that thing or you agree in advance that you're not going to ask for anything, then you feel like you're stuck yeah. and you end up buying a house that you, you paid a lot of money for. Houses cost a lot of money. It's a huge investment, the biggest investment most people make in their entire lives. But if you don't have the money to then keep that investment in good condition, if it needs a roof in a year, but you're strapped because you paid more than you wanted to pay for this house, mm -hmm. or you move in and you bring in your HVAC guy to service it, and all of a sudden, hey, guess what? We didn't do an inspection. We found out that that heat exchanger is cracked. This is putting carbon monoxide in the house. I have to change this or I can't use the heat safely. And you don't have six or $7,000 or whatever it might cost to put a new furnace in. You're, you're really in a bad spot now. So, you know, informational purposes only, that's fine. You can say that if you want, if you're a buyer. But when you do the inspection and you find something that's a condition that means you can't afford to maintain that house or you can't live there safely, um, I still think that, minimum doing that inspection gives you that that card in your back pocket to be like you know what they said they're not going to negotiate but we're going to tell them what we found anyway maybe mm. they don't know maybe they still will do a repair because they want to close on this deal too they don't they don't want to put their house back on the market so still go back to them tell them hey 
yeah, this furnace needs to be replaced. I can't, I can't put my kids and my family in this house. And maybe they're going to say, Hey, you agreed not to negotiate, but you as a buyer now can say, okay, we can still walk away and not put ourselves in a really bad spot. Correct. Yeah. And now they have to disclose that situation to other buyers that are coming in because now it's a known defect by law. They have to disclose it if it's a known defect. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've seen tons of times where folks did an inspection and again, air quote for informational purposes only, yep. but still find things and still do negotiate some repairs. That's not completely off the table. Even, no, I don't care what you say. You can still go back to them and ask. They can still say no, expect it. But I've seen people that, that have done inspections for informational purposes only and still gotten some repairs or still gotten some concessions based on, you know, significant conditions. So um, to, to me, you can put informational purposes for, oh, for informational purposes only on there. Yep. Okay. You, it doesn't mean you can't ask them to fix something. And it, it doesn't mean you can't walk away if they're unwilling to negotiate. You have that right as a buyer. And to see people just throw caution to the wind and throw that away, it's just not smart. Um, yeah. it, that goes back to the same thing about waiving inspections. What are you doing? <laughs> we, we, uh, we're doing inspections for folks now who waive their inspections. But now are like, you know what, maybe we should bring Mike and Steve in to check the house out just to see what we have. Yep. We, we did one for a woman last week. Her son is a contractor and said, no, nah, this is a condo. It's low risk. Everything's going to be fine. Um, you know, waive the inspection so that you can get the deal. She waived her inspection. And it turns out that the furnace did need to be replaced because the heat exchanger was cracked. That just happened like last week. And now oh. this lady has to buy a new furnace. Fortunately for her, she has the means to do that. But what if she didn't? Yeah, a lot of people you know? don't. A lot of people don't, Mike. And then they're in a situation where instead of they're paying a mortgage, they are now paying for heat. And, you know, within their first year, they get foreclosure notices. It's scary. Right. Or you're maxing out a credit card to, to put a new furnace on there. Who wants to be paying credit card interest rates on your furnace? No. You can't, you can't take out a home improvement loan because you just paid more than asking. So there may not be equity in your house this early on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bad spot to be in. It really is. And you know, uh, something that our listeners need to know, and you know, any buyers that are contacting you direct Mike is that the market is easing up quite a bit with twice as much inventory as there was three times plus days on market now than there was you know, a month back, the market is absolutely slowing down. There are certain situations, certain cases, certain neighborhoods that are still in a very crazy seller's market. But overall, things are a lot slower here in Rhode Island than what they were even a month or two ago. So waiving home inspections, not necessarily the the, the thing you need or should be doing anymore in order to, even, even when things were so competitive, Mike, we were telling our clients, are you sure you want to do this? We believe you should not waive your home inspections. You should, you know, go in and do them, um, but don't be prepared that the sellers will fix stuff, but at least know so you can pull out if needed, you know? Right. And that's, and, and that's kind of where we've been at, you know, for the, the beginning, you know, two thirds of the year is, you know, people will ask us, Hey man, what can we get the seller to fix right now? Not a whole lot, but at least you'll know the condition of the house and you can know if this is, if this is a good, good idea for you to move into here. Or, or not, you know, um, now we don't tell people to buy or not buy a house. We just tell people the condition of it and 
you know, especially younger people, maybe first home, things like that. Um, just explain to them, listen, yes, you're buying the house, but when you're buying a house, this house has maintenance. So make sure you can handle it. So when I tell you that it's going to need a roof next year, know that you're going to need, you know, so many thousand dollars for whatever a roof on this house costs. And as long as you can budget that awesome, good deal. If you can't, you really got some thinking to do. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have any questions for Mike or you want to reach out to him, you can go to homeinspectorri.com. Again, homeinspectorri.com. Mike with Patriot Home Inspections. Mike, thanks for being here with us. Appreciate the information. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be right back here with RI Bloggers Top 5 Events. We got Halloween approaching. I'm Emilio Desperado, and this is the Desperado Team Real Estate Show powered by Patriot Home Inspections. We'll be right back. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. So you can see oh, what's going on. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, All righty. We are near the end of October and Halloween is about to be here. We are going to discuss the top five events, the top five events of our fall season here and of our Halloween season here with Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com. Check it out, riblogger.com. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. It's, it's um, great because there's so many events that, you know, there's just so much going on this Halloween and Halloween season and fall season, you know, mm-hmm. especially after um, last year. So um, October 27th to 30th, is the Wicked Woods Pumpkin Walk from 6 to 10 p.m. Um, and it's at Rocky Point Farm. You can stroll through the Enchanted Pumpkin Path and enjoy over 300 lit candles and hand-carved pumpkins. Um, the trail is lined with tiki torches and campfires. And this is also a non-scary event, so it's perfect for all ages. You can bring the little ones um, and it's a good idea to bring a small flashlight with you. And you must purchase tickets in advance. And there's also an option for a haunted trail as well. So if you have older kids or you want to you know make the date night and you want something a little scarier that's an option too friday october 29th is the halloween friday night flea um, from five to nine with ri cruising cocktails and 60 plus vendors live music from five to nine um, the event is at fresh market hall and sim street in providence um, there'll be also some outdoor vendors as well there'll be vintage items um, artisans cocktails food trucks and live music so just a great way to um promote some local artists and local music and uh local foods the greenwich odium presents the rocker rocky horror thriller tour at 8 p.m um that's also saturday october 30th the exciting show brings the rocky horror picture show from screens to stage in an interactive event um, that will have you on your feet dancing and shouting lines back at the film um, the performance also includes rko army's performance of michael jackson's thriller which i'm sure is amazing um, and you can also buy props at the door. So, so for a more interactive experience, there's um, some props you can buy at the door. And again, that's advanced ticketing as, as well. October 29th and 30th, you can experience a night at the Haunted Museum at the Natural History Museum in Roger Williams Park. Um, there'll be a bizarre collection from the vaults and 1031 spooky living art. Um, it, that's also um, tickets in advance. It's timed entry from six to nine and tickets are sold in 15 minute intervals. You can find that out at um, providenceri.gov slash museum. So I don't know why, but I always feel like museums at night 
are definitely spooky. So that mm-hmm. sounds like a great event. And last but not least, the Granite Theater in Westerly presents The Haunting of Hill House live. It's Friday to Sunday um, at 7.30 p.m. on Friday and Saturday, and then Sundays at 2 p.m. It's a chilling, mystifying study with a small group of people, um, and they're brought together in the Hill House. It's a mid-Victorian mansion known as a place of evil and contained ill will. It sounds really spooky. Um, It's led by the learned Dr. Montague, um, who is conducting research on the supernatural phenomena and um, the visitors come to probe the secrets of the old house. So it definitely, if you're looking for a thrilling experience, um, and you can get more details there at thegranitetheater.com for tickets in advance and more details. Nice. Awesome. Was that five already? That was five. Um, there's lots more, though. We actually just posted an entire Halloween-themed blog. So um, there's a lot more going on, and there's some recurring events and then some weekend fall festivals. So um, if you know, anything from really scary to just something for the little kids too. So there's something for everyone this, this Halloween season. Awesome. Good stuff. And they can check it all out at riblogger.com. Jennifer, thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Have an awesome week. Yeah, you too. Thank you very much. What a great show today. Give us a call 401-217-2333. We're happy to help you out. That's our off-air number. I'd like to thank Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com, Matthew Bates with Movement Mortgage. Check out RI, the rimortgageguy.com. Also Ted Tapuzis with Tapuzis and Associates and Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections. Andrew, our producer, Bill, our station manager, and you, forward listening and tuning in. Thank you so much. God bless you. We'll see you next week.